Welcome back, everyone, to Your Life, God's Word, where we take the principles found in Scripture and we apply them to our everyday lives, those areas that are most important, faith, family, and community. Welcome back, everyone. Hope you are doing well, staying safe out there, and above all else, staying kingdom-minded and spirit-led. We are continuing through our trek, or on our trek, through the book of Proverbs. We're on Proverbs chapter 22, and today I think we're going to do an overview, but in looking at this chapter, there's a couple of things that I think I want to go ahead and dive into in a little more detail. And so we may have a couple of sessions on Proverbs 22. We'll just have to see how it goes. Um, don't forget to, of course, right, smash that subscribe button, uh, click that bell, make sure you get notified whenever we are live, I guess when we go live, but whenever we upload a video, uh, you'll definitely get notified, I think, for that. <laughs> if you hit the bell, yeah, if you say I want to be notified. Uh, if you're on podcast, uh, one of the podcast services like uh, Spotify or Google or Amazon or one of those things. Uh, you can subscribe to the feed and uh, make sure you're checking that in. So, for instance, uh, if you're on Spotify and you're following the podcast, uh, when you go to your, um, your uh, I forget what it is, like your profile or whatever it's called, your feed, every time there's a new uh, episode, it will just come up in your in your feed because you're following the podcast. So don't forget to do that. Follow the podcast. Uh, subscribe to the podcast if you are doing that as well. I would suggest doing both because when you can watch a, a video, that's great. But sometimes you're doing stuff, driving, maybe you're hitting the gym or something like that, working on something, and you can just listen uh, and do it that way. So all that said, we're now going to dive in. Proverbs chapter 22. Here we go with verse 1. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, and favor is better than silver or gold. We've talked a lot about this, how that the, the Bible is uh, not against people being wealthy or having money or anything like that, but it's the, it's the priorities that we set for our lives. It's the priority that we put on things. If we put being rich, being wealthy above our fear of the Lord, our obedience to Jesus Christ, that's messed up. We're going to have problems. And so when we have a scripture like this, a good name is to be chosen rather than. It doesn't mean God wants everybody to be poor but have a good name or a good reputation, that kind of thing. It's showing the priorities of the Bible. It is better. It is better to have a good name, and of course the scripture is not saying have a good name but for no good reason. It, you know, you are a person of integrity. You are a person who uh, is dependable. You are a person who walks uprightly, who is sound in judgment, right? These kinds of things, a good name, that's better than having great riches, right? And favor is better than silver or gold. It, it, this is how our priorities should work. And again, doesn't mean you can't have both, but the priority, the priority. Now, verse two says, the rich and the poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. 
again, setting those uh, boundaries uh, so that we're not thinking of ourselves more highly than we should just because we have money. Or we're not thinking ourselves more virtuous than we should just because we don't have money. Now, it's the same pride. Um, my old uh, pastor used to say, you know, the same pride that will make somebody with a junky car park in the back so nobody sees it, um, that is the same pride that makes someone with a really sweet, awesome car want to park in the front so, so that everybody sees their car. Your, your status, your money, right? These things, um, there's no virtue in having more, but there's no, vir- there's no inherent virtue in having less either. God is the maker of them all. The ground is level. You can't buy your way into heaven. Uh, you can't buy your way into the kingdom. So, uh, verse 3, the prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. I think we might use this. I do want to take a pause he, either here on, in chapter 22 or maybe in one of, the, one of the upcoming chapters and talk a little bit more about finances and stuff. The Bible is, I mean, just talks about this a lot. There are several things that are not what I would call directly spiritual, what people think of as spiritual topics. Um, But nevertheless, they impact us greatly. Things like our financial situation, things like our marital situation, and our home situation uh, between parents and children and these, these kinds of things. And we need to understand that when we're in a state where we're constantly stressed about our finances, for instance, that is, it's not directly spiritual, but it will indirectly impact our spiritual life. Uh, when we are so stressed, we feel like we got to go get another job and pile on the workload because we got to pay our bills. We're going to reduce our ability to spend time in prayer, spend time in the word, spend time connecting with the people of God, all things that these scriptures teach us that we should be doing. So we need to realize that even if something is not quote-unquote directly spiritual or pertaining to our spirituality, it will indirectly impact it. And if it's impacted, it's impacted. So I think it'd be good to you know, stop and have, have a good little discussion on that. Again, it's been, it's been several weeks now in Proverbs that we've, um, we've just kind of gone over and reiterated things we've said before. And I think it'd be good now to hit pause and uh, kind of go through it a little more in depth using some of the current scriptures that we're in. But we're not going to do that right now. Today is just an overview. Um, so the prudent, they see danger and they hide themselves, but the simple go on and suffer for it. This is in any respect. You see the danger, you ignore it, you move on. That could be something as simple as opening your mouth to say something that you know you shouldn't be doing, but this, you know, the foolish person is going to go ahead and they see the danger, they're going to do it anyway. That could be finances, that can be in your marriage, that can be in your health, all these things. Right? And health is another one that's not directly, quote-unquote, directly spiritual. But um, it's sure hard to really make a huge impact in the kingdom of God if you're dead because you were uh, horribly unhealthy. So again, I think we need to keep that in mind. So, Verse 4, the reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. 
Uh, God, you know, again, we've already read in Proverbs, the blessing of the Lord makes rich. He adds no sorrow with it. God is not opposed to people being even wealthy. Um, but we it needs to be in the context of rightly prioritizing God, his kingdom, the things of God. Um, those need to be our highest priority. And then uh, we look at things like, hey, what, what, my, my financial situation, um, I, can, I can really improve that. I can be an entrepreneur. I can go to school and get an amazing degree and make all kinds of money because of it or whatever. Um, but first and foremost, our relationship with Jesus Christ and our relationship with our brothers and sisters. Jesus said in John, uh, they will know you're my disciples by your love for one another. I don't have time to get in, you know, go all the way down this rabbit this rabbit trail, but we'll just we'll just peer down. We'll kind of look down a little bit here, right? Our love for one another. That is not saying I love my brothers and sisters. That's not high-fiving somebody, be like, man, bro. That is showing true love. True love is action. I can prove this in the scriptures. You can see this even from John 3:16. God so loved the world that what he did something. Um, it is impossible, impossible to love our brothers and sisters in Christ and we're super selfish with our money or love our brothers and sisters in Christ and we never connect with them. Oh, you know, I'm spiritual but not religious. Or it's how do you love people but you're never around people? I love people but I don't ever connect. It's not possible. So things like giving, connecting, serving, these are all beautiful, wonderful scriptural concepts that if we truly love Jesus Christ and if we truly love people, we will be doing them, okay? So the fear of the Lord leads to that kind of stuff. So we can't just say, oh yeah, I fear God, so therefore you know, riches and honor and life are all mine. We need to fear God and there's actual evidence that we fear God, the greatest of which is we obey him right? We obey him. How do you fear the Lord? How do you show your fear of the Lord? How, you know, what does that look like? We obey him. When he says do it, we do it. When he says don't, we don't. And that leads to riches, honor, and life. Uh, verse 5, thorns and snares are in the way of the crooked. Whoever guards his soul will keep far from them. Um, again, people that are dishonest, people that are um, you know, shady. We should not be this way as Christians. We're, we're a business owner. We should be uh, we should be people of integrity. That doesn't mean you can't be shrewd. That doesn't mean you can't be wise. That doesn't mean you can't, you know, charge for what you're worth or you got to be a, you know, it doesn't mean you have to be a doormat and give away all your your services and time and everything. But it is saying don't be crooked. <laughs> okay. Verse 6. Oh, we're going to stop and do some talking about this, but not today. Um, but here's the verse. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, in my in my software, in my software, this is the first time I've actually seen this and reading through Proverbs, reading through using this software. There's like a little button that has like a little pencil, like a highlight thing. And I scroll over and it says 868 people have highlighted this verse. This is such a popular verse and it is so taken out of context. It is so misused and abused. And so we're going to really look at that um, in, in, in detail in the next couple of weeks. Verse 7, the rich rules over the poor and the borrower is the slave of the lender. Keep this in mind. I know Dave Ramsey, if you know who that is, he uses this verse a lot to show that you know we should not be in debt and we shouldn't have debt and all this stuff. 
And um, whatever you think about that, this scripture is true. When you are in debt, you are, who are you working for? You're working to pay that debt off, <laughs> right? Yeah, you're making money for you, but then who has claim on that money? A debtor. Um, so, the you know, the lender. Um, I would say the the best thing to do is to really look at our financial picture and understand what debts we should have, if any, if any. I know in America that having an if on that is like blasphemy. Of course you have debt. Of course you have a car loan. Of course you have a credit card that carries a balance. No, no, doesn't have to be that way. So, you know, there is that. Verse 8, whoever sows injustice will reap calamity and the rod of his fury will fail. We talked about justice, injustice, all that stuff on the last episode, so go ahead and check that out. Verse 9, whoever has a bountiful eye will be blessed, for he shares his bread with the poor. It is just something about it. People that bless others, they are blessed. Not always, you know, just tit-for-tat financial blessing, but just a, a more... Um, a, a, more, a richer, more filled, joy-filled, a more bountiful life when we are people who are charitable. Now, that doesn't mean every person that comes knocking, you got to write them a check. You certainly can be charitable, but I'm, I'm wise about where I, I use my time in charity or spend my money in charity. Nothing wrong with that, but we, we should be people who um, are sharing with the poor. And again, I've said this before. I'll just say it again right here. The poor defined. How do you define the poor? That's not defined the American way. It's defined. How how does the Bible define a poor person? Okay. We need to go dive into that, look at that and do some research, right? Scriptures that come to mind, like uh, if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. Scriptures like, uh, oh, I don't know, if you don't provide for your household, you're worse than an unbeliever and you've denied the faith. Yeah, those are things that we need to take into context when we're saying, oh, the poor. So this scripture is 100% true. Share the bread with the poor, but define the poor just like the Bible defines them. Verse 10, drive out a scoffer and strife will go out and quarreling and abuse will cease. Guess what? You get rid of the source of the quarreling and the abuse and the strife and all the friction and all that. Guess what? It's going to get better. So sometimes that's the way we need to do it. People that are constantly causing issues, people that are constantly, you know, causing drama in our lives. Sometimes we need to just cut that off. Now, maybe that's a very, that's a relationship. You can't just, just, just sever it, but limit the time, set boundaries, these kinds of things. Uh, verse 11, he who loves purity of heart and whose speech is gracious will have the king as his friend uh, because any king who knows anything or has any sense, is they're going to want people around them who have a pure heart and who are gracious. Hello. <laughs> verse 12, the eyes of the Lord keep watch over knowledge, but he overthrows the words of the traitor. Again, God looks at who we are, what we do, how we behave, uh, he isn't a fool. He does let people go in his mercy and his grace, but ultimate justice is always met out. 
Verse 13, the sluggard says, there is a lion outside. I should be killed in the streets. Um, <laughs> right, the sluggard, right? Always coming up with excuses why. Can't do that. Too hard. Oh, <laughs> I'm sick. Um, good work ethic is all through the Bible. It is a foundational thing. And I do believe in working smarter, not harder, but why not work smarter and harder? Why not let the 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 fruit of our of our labor, of our hard work, let it also come from critical thinking, problem solving, value add mentality, right? Process improvement. All that is amazing. It's awesome. It will get you so far in life, in many aspects of life. Um, but but we don't need to be lazy bums making up excuses as to why we can't, why we shouldn't, and all this kind of stuff. Verse, tw- verse uh, I'm sorry, verse 14. The, the mouth of forbidden women is a deep pit. He with whom the Lord is angry will fall into it. So, you know, the Lord just kind of giving, letting people fall into their own traps. Um, the Lord is angry with someone. He wants to make an example out of somebody. He'll let them fall into that trap. And I pray you know, that we are folks that line up with, we, 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 we lean into a walk and a relationship with God and that he doesn't abandon us or let us just kind of, you know, f- uh, fall prey to our own devices because we as people, we, we need his help, we need his grace, and um, we should seek it. But again, uh, in, in Bible study last night, we talked a little bit about this, right? The idea of grace, people, you know, the hyper grace crowd, like, oh yeah, I, you know, I sin every day, but there's grace. The Bible does not say that. The Bible does not say that. Okay, I mentioned the uh, scripture last night, so if you were there in Bible study last night, um, you'll you'll remember this. But for everyone on the podcast, YouTube, out there, I'm check out this awesome scripture, amazing scripture, Titus chapter two. Verse 11 is where I'm going to start. Ready? About grace. Titus 2.11, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Ooh, the grace of God is the subject. That's what we're talking about. Verse 12 says, right, there's just a comma at the end of verse 11. Verse 12 says, Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace teaches us and trains us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to be self-controlled, upright, and godly in this present age. So if people are not renouncing worldly passions, renouncing ungodliness, renouncing unrighteousness, renouncing the flesh, renouncing sin, okay, and living. It doesn't mean just renounce and then do whatever you want. Oh, I may, I pay lip service to, I renounce sin, and then you go sin. It says, and to live self-controlled, we're supposed to live upright, and we're supposed to live godly. Who teaches us that? The mean old, you know, uh, preacher shaking his fist from the pulpit. No, grace teaches us that. So, if we have a grace that does not teach us that, is that the grace of God? No, it is not. It is a false grace. It is not grace. The grace of God 
requires this. So just thought I'd throw that out there. Um, I had mentioned that uh, last night in passing and said it was in Titus 2 around verse 13. I was a couple verses off. It's verse 11 where it starts, but there you go. Verse 15, folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. When we talk about kids, raising kids, train up a child, all that stuff, we'll, we'll come to this verse as well. So mark down uh, verse 15, as well as verse 6, train up a child, that's verse 6, right? Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, that's verse 15. Verse 16, whoever oppresses the poor to increase his own wealth or gives to the rich will only come to poverty. Again, the oppression of the poor, of the downcast, of the widow, of the orphan, God is serious about that. He is extremely um, serious. In fact, the Bible says uh, in James 1.27, let me go to James 1.27 really quick and not get too far off track. Well, it's not off track. I'm, it's right here in Proverbs. But check this out. This is James 1.27. It says this. Oh, let's go back to verse 26. If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religious is worthless. <laughs> That's James. I mean, James, all, all these guys who wrote these epistles, they were no nonsense. Even John, like the love guy, leaning on the breast of the Lord, right? You read 1 John, and you're just like, whoa, this guy was rough. But that's John. James says, yeah, your religion's worthless. You can't bridle your tongue. Your religion's worthless. Then he says in verse 27, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. That means we don't have the world's ideologies. We don't have the world's thinking. We don't behave like the world. We, we are not in sin like the world. So there's a lot there. There's a lot said there, but true religion, pure religion is to come out of the world and have that heart for those in need. I mean, what a beautiful thing. Now, a lot of people that don't like religion, I don't like man-made religion, but that kind of religion, that's the kind of religion everybody can get behind. So God has a heart for the poor, and verse 16 says, if you oppress the poor to in increase your own wealth, oh, you're going to come to poverty. Verse 17, incline your ear and hear the words of the wise and apply your heart to my knowledge. See how it says, like, there's work to be done? It's not just head knowledge, like watching a YouTube video and then just doing nothing with it. Like, ooh, that's good information. You know, that's not it. Incline your ear, hear the words, apply your heart to my knowledge. For it will be pleasant if you, if, 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 we've talked, and we have, I have a whole podcast about the if-then statements of Scripture. Here we go, right? For it will be pleasant if you keep them within you, if all of them are ready on your lips, right? There's some big ifs there. That your trust may be in the Lord, I have made them known to you today, even to you. Have I not written for you 30 sayings of counsel and knowledge to make you know what is right and true that you may give a true answer to those who sent you? Verse 22, do not rob the poor because he is poor or crush the afflicted at the gate, right? In the ruling council, in the governing council at the gate, right? Don't crush the afflicted. Verse 23, for the Lord will plead their cause and rob, rob of life those who rob them. That's pretty rough. Again, remember who the poor are <laughs> defined in scripture. 
make no verse 24 make no friendship with a man given to anger nor go with a wrathful man um this uh again just reminds me of places like paul when he told the corinthians don't be yoked together with the unbelievers um this goes along with things like uh james where he says the friendship of the world is an enemy of god we need to be careful who we open ourselves up and, and, and are truly friends with and allow to speak into us and, and, and influence us. And a person given to anger or wrath, right? Why, should, why shouldn't we have a friendship with them? Verse 25 says, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. Verse 26 says, be not one of those who give pledges, who put up security for debts. The Bible doesn't have a whole lot of good stuff to say about debt. Um, and generally when you read it, it, it is, it seems to lean more toward consumer debt. And if you don't know the difference between consumer debt and like business debt or consumer debt and productive debt, then look them up and tune in next time because we'll probably talk about it. Verse 27, if you have nothing with which to pay, why should your bed be taken from under you, right? Saying you don't have money, but then your bed is a is is on the hook you have put up your bed for collateral and now you have no money and now the debtor is going to come and take your the stuff you did have <laughs> that's what it's saying verse 28 do not move the ancient landmark that your fathers have set this is about honesty right back in the day you didn't have a uh, a survey and a title insurance company right you had landmarks and it's saying don't move them around why because it's dishonest you wanted to expand your, your border a little bit. You go out there and move those landmarks over just a little bit, just a little bit. But you're doing what now? You're actually taking your neighbor's land. So do not move the ancient landmark that your fathers have set. Now, I know people might use this verse sometimes to talk about things like um, don't move, you know, don't move the... Um, like the, the landmarks, like the spiritual landmarks, the scriptural landmarks. Don't move the, you know, the, the landmarks of the ancient times, um, you know, the Word of God. Don't try to change the Word of God, things like that. This scripture is not talking about that, I don't think, even though it is true, right? Both Deuteronomy and Revelation warn about adding to or taking away from the words that were written down and, and, and spoken by God and taken in. Uh, throughout the, the prophetic books, things like Ezekiel and Isaiah, God warns against people prophesying and speaking on his behalf, even though he has not done, he hasn't spoken to them. Again, uh, that is that is adding to the word of God. And so that is true. We shouldn't move the quote unquote landmarks of the word, landmarks of God. But this scripture is talking about your landmark your boundary markers, don't move them around, trying to encroach on your neighbor's property, steal property, take property. This is going back to like the Ten Commandments. Do not steal. Um, don't even covet, really, right? But don't steal. Um, God, actually, you know, with individualism, he's big on independence, individualism, personal liberty, and property. Uh, not all, all those things not defined as an American in, in 2022 would define them. But these are things that in the scriptures you find as God values these things. He values uh, people's will. He values uh, people f 
people's freedom, right? True freedom. Again, we can get into a discussion about what is true freedom. Is it truly, is somebody truly free if they're allowed to just go out and get completely addicted to drugs and destroy their entire life, destroy their family, destroy everything around them, destroy themselves physically, mentally? Is that freedom? I mean, you could say they have the liberty to do so, but it seems much freer if somebody said, no, we're not going to sell you drugs, or no, we're not going to allow you to have that. No, we're not going to have that in society. So there's a freedom without limits, in other words, is actually bondage. Freedom, the freedometer, <laughs> the freedometer has a range. On the left side of the range is bondage. Then you get into the freedom side, and I'm sorry for the people on the podcast, just envision right? Like a, a meter from left to right. You've got zero to 100. Well, from zero to 20 is bondage. From 21 to you know 80 is freedom. But then from 81 to 100, that's also bondage, right? You've got a range in the middle. Freedom with constraints is real freedom, is real liberty. So I, again, just a massive philosophical topic that I just spent 47 seconds on, right? So there's a lot we could talk about. And again, you know, happy to you know comment or, or you can comment or email us, podcast at breadbreakers.com. If you ever have a question, you ever have a topic you'd like me to dive into, podcast at breadbreakers.com, podcast, all one word, podcast at breadbreakers.com. And love to address those topics, kind of, kind of do like a little bit of a mailbag type of thing. Love to hear from you. What do you think about these things? Um, but again, that's a good one right there. Freedom, right? What What is freedom? I think uh, the scriptures clearly show that freedom with constraint, with some constraints, is true freedom. Uh, but certainly don't move the landmarks because that's actually theft. Verse 29, do you see a man skillful in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. Developing a skill, developing skill, becoming skilled at something where you're adding that value, it is invaluable. And so the scriptures recognize that. Also, of course, you know, if you're becoming skillful in something, you're probably not lazy. So you are not making the excuses about the lions in the streets. Um, so here you go. That's verse 29. That is chapter 22 of Proverbs. We're going to go ahead and end it here. Don't forget, hit that subscribe button. Follow us on the podcast services, wherever you might be. Hit us up at podcast at breadbreakers.com. If you have any questions or you'd like a topic discussed, and we'd be happy to do so. But uh, next week, we'll, we'll probably dive into a couple of these, these topics that are just so deep and meaty in uh, Proverbs 22 that we don't have time to do them. And also do the overview. So there you go. Proverbs 22. Hope that has helped and blessed you. Love you guys. God bless, and we'll catch you on the next podcast.